0: Part of the Media Ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org, or by subscribing to our podcast. Guys, with the greatest responsibility, if you're here with children this morning, greatest responsibility that you'll ever have is the instruction of your children. The primary relationship that you will have is spouse. Your spouse. its the number one relationship that God gives us on earth. Not not the relationship with him, but number one relationship. But the number one responsibility, I firmly believe if we just look, because we're you know, God gives us this this little bud of a of a baby and we gotta grow up is growing up our children. And we see that throughout the Bible. We we see verses like Proverbs twenty two, six. You've probably heard it. Even if you didn't know that it was Proverbs twenty-two six. you've probably heard this somewhere in your life to train up a child. How many of you have heard that at some point in your life to train up a child? Well, it's in the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs is not a book of promises. It's a book of principles. And, and this, a lot of people say, okay, man, I, I know somebody that they trained up their ch- children just right, and yet that child still rebelled a little bit. It's because this is a principle. In other words, like 99% of the time, this is going to come true, but God does not invade the free will of everybody, so you can do all the right things and still have a child that kind of goes in error. And yet, percentage-wise, and I don't know that it's 99%, but percentage-wise, this is just a principle of life that he instructs upon our hearts and our lives as parents and grandparents. Look what it says. Train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it doesn't mean that if you do all the right things of parenting, that foolproof, you'll have the perfect child. The perfect child never existed. It didn't come to you that way. It will not leave you that way. I promise you. But it does say that we have an opportunity to make impact when our children are young. 1, 2, 3, 13, 14, 15, 18, 21, 22. And those young formative years... That will last them the rest of their lives. doesn't mean that they won't rebel against it. But how many of you have ever, your mama taught you right, your daddy taught you right, and even in your years of rebellion, you could hear your mama's voice in the back of your head. How many of you have ever been there? That's what this verse means. doesn't mean that you always chose to do right. What it meant was, oh my goodness, I can hear mom right now. That's not wise. That's not smart. So what does it mean to really train up a child? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Again, it's a principle, not a promise, because God doesn't invade the free will. But here's the principle that he wants. Can we go into that? Yeah, what does it mean to train up a child? Picture yourself and your children, or your children, as this little plant. That one day you want to be a a self-sufficient tree, okay, okay? In fact, you want it to grow up to a tree and in such a capacity that one day you want to sit under the shade of that tree. Doesn't that sound good as we approach older years? That we would raise our children in such a way that we would be able to one day maybe sit in the shade of that tree that grew up in us. But he gives you an acorn. He gives you this little sprout. And, and I don't know about you, but when we had our two girls, it didn't, they did not come with instructions. You know, there was nothing that, you know, that uh, it was one of those, we just had to figure it out. And yet God gives us so much in his word about how do we do this. God gives us this fragile uh, seedling, and and he tells us basically in that Proverbs 22, 6, he tells us two things. He said, this seedling needs two things, direction, and because they already are born with the sin nature, correction. So those two things, parents, every parent, every grandparent in here, realize that's kind of the call upon our life, to give direction, and then when it to give correction. If you've ever planted a young tree, maybe a tree uh, like we have back there that's even uh, you know, small, and, and when you plant it in the ground, sometimes it doesn't always want to go just straight up. It starts to lean one side or the other. And have you ever staked a tree? There's two different ways that you can do that. Can we go on to that next one? One way is that you get something very solid. Notice that tree that's there. And they wanted to grow up right. They wanted to grow up straight and in the right direction. So what they do is they get this really big, thick piece of log, stick, whatever, and you put it in there, foundationally sit it right beside there, and then tie it off. So that young tree, as it's starting to grow up, has something substantial, to write itself by. Well, I could say that that big, thick, kind of solid piece—that's that, mom, dad, that's grandma, granddad—that's the Word of God. But one way that we make sure that a tree is growing upright is that we surround it with solid direction. So, so God's Word should be a part of your children's life from the very beginning. Don't don't wait till they're nine or ten. Don't wait till they, you know, get to that age where I go, oh, you know, they don't even read yet. I promise you, that if you have preschoolers, even now, we're we're gonna have parent-child dedication four weeks from today. In four weeks, we're gonna have that, and and one of the instructions that we're gonna have on that day is surround your kids from the very beginning with the solid truth of God's word. You know, that's what the Apostle Paul said about Timothy, and, and uh, second, uh, I'm, yeah, Second Timothy, chapter. Uh, 3 verses 14 and 15, look what it says. He's talking about Timothy, and he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed. Continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. In the first sermons I ever did here, we we talked a little bit about that truth in our children's life, that we are to ground them in truth. And, And what Paul said to Timothy, he said, from the very beginning, you had a grandmother and you had a mother, that surrounded you with godly truth. To the point, look what he says in the last part of that. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with what? The sacred writings, which are able to make you wise into salvation. The job that we have, these kids that you, you have right beside you this morning, the Bible says from the very beginning, you start putting them in solid truth. doesn't mean that you get out those hard... Don't take them to Deuteronomy. Don't take them to Numbers. Don't take me to numbers. I mean, it's just one of those places, you know, there, there are lessons in there. It is the ordained word of God. But take them in, in those teaching moments that you can see. When you see that rainbow out there a couple of nights ago, tell them the story of God's promise. Relate all the things that are happening in everyday life back to the scriptures. Because that's what God has told us to do. So it is to put a solid root in their life, a solid foundation to adhere them to. The second way that you often stake a tree is that you, you get that tree and you put some stakes all around it, kind of make sure that it's pulled this way and that way and that way. And, and that's uh, kind of a symbol this morning of that you surround them not only with direction but you surround them in every direction. That's one of the reasons that we really need to pray for our teachers, pray for our schools. There's going to come a day in your child's life that their coach or their instructor is going to have more influence for that moment, for that period of time than you do. It's kind of a sad day. but I remember when I had closed my mind, my rebellious teenage mind off to my mom and dad, and yet if my coach said it, it was the gospel. And maybe you went through some of those days like that. And so one of the things that God's Word tells us about this training up a child, he says, okay, when you train them up, make sure that it is solid, that it's foundational. The Word of God and the truth of the gospel but also make sure that you realize it's not a one-man show. You have the major responsibility. One thing that the Bible never says is to hand this off to your Sunday school teachers or you know, Jeff at the church or other people. No, we are very much to surround ourselves with people as best as we can that believe the same things that we do, that are always going to point them in a godly direction. Can you control what coach you have? No, but you sure can pray for that coach. Sometimes you can't control which teacher you have, but you can pray for that teacher. And so this morning, it's amazing what can happen if you give the care and the direction. These are actual living trees. Now, do you think that they naturally grew that way? No. Somebody went out there and, and, and kind of purposed at the right time in the formation of that tree and said, okay, I want to bend it here and I want to bend it there. I mean, to me, when I saw that, that was pretty amazing. Uh, there's another picture. That, that's a living tree. Now, did it grow that way naturally? Was somebody just, you know, you went out there, you're walking through the forest, and you come upon that tree? No. Somebody, at an appropriate time, said, okay, I'm going to give a curve here, a bend here, and I'm going to form this in a way to point it to have this end result. The last one is my favorite. That is a living tree. He made it into a a seat. Is that not incredible? You go, man, and nobody would walk upon the forest and say that just happened naturally. You would say somebody purposely formed a chair out of this tree. Here's the whole secret, though. How do you do that? Bend it. Direct it. Without killing it. If you gave that to me in my backyard, it would be dead. Because I would try to do too much too soon. I would do it inappropriately. I just wouldn't have. That's where we need the wisdom of God. That when we come upon those children that God has special creative purposes for, that, that we uh, understand that God, uh, a, a tree that shows up like that, just doesn't happen. The Bible says, that, if anything, we actually have a different bent in our beginning. You know the Bible, now this sounds really cruel, and a lot of people sit there and a lot of moms are going to get offended when I say this, but the Bible says it. I'm just you know, repeating what the Bible says. Psalms 51, five. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You know what the Bible's trying to convey there? It's not trying to be negative there. What he's saying is, man, guys, because of our fallen nature, from the very beginning we had this bent towards self and selfishness. How many of you would agree that you've seen at least a touch of that in your child? Yeah. If not, we're going to want you to sign up next week for the preschool, for the nursery, and we'll prove that scripture out. That nobody had to direct your children not to share toys, to, to be all about themselves. It just comes naturally. So here's the thing. If we take those two scriptures in mind, what we have is the Bible says, okay, make sure that you're directing your children, and that comes through correction. Why? Because we have a natural bent to the other side. If you've ever been to England, there's a tree in England called the Clemenon tree. And this is not a windy day. That is actually how that tree looks. If you notice, there's a bay right off to the side. It's the Bristol Channel. And the winds over time, when this tree was young, started blowing. It was always coming in off the channel. to such a way that that's exactly how the tree has grown. It's a famous spot that people go there and get their pictures made. But this is not a windy day. That's just how the tree is growing. Why? Because there was a wind blowing in, in its direction. Well, let's take that biblically now. If the Bible says that your child had a bent towards sin and selfishness from the very beginning, folks, not only does it mean that we have to redirect it, that comes through correction. See, there's a lot of goals. There's a lot of goals of what you want your child to be. One of the goals that, that you can have is, man, I'm just trying to get through this whole childhood thing, disaster prevention. And there will be hours, there will be moments like this. Have you had that moment before where your goal is just to keep the kid out of trouble? But is that the highest goal of, of a child? Is that really the point of parenting? I mean, I, I, I know in the moment that they're rebelling it, it kind of is. It's okay, we just want to keep little you know, Johnny out of trouble. But that's not the ultimate goal of just kind of raise kids and disaster prevention. But a lot of people do that. Another one is, and I get this, as two kids now, 20 and 27, self-supporting, you know? We've invested a lot into our children. And we've kind of seen them launch. One already launched and one about to launch. And I really don't want we entry. You know, it's one of those, I don't want them to kind of make a couple orbits and decide hey, we're just going to land right back at home. But I get that there's a part of us that says, okay, what I, my, my job, my goal is to have self-supporting kids. It's true, but is that the ultimate goal? No. Any more than the one that I hear a lot, good person. I, I just want my kids to be able to contribute to society. I get that. It makes sense. But is that even the ultimate goal? No. I promise you. Biblically speaking, the ultimate goal of every parent and grandparent here is to see that our kids become Christ followers. They become disciples of Christ. Now here's where it gets a little bit tricky. If we're not careful, we will raise rule followers rather than Christ followers. Does that communicate with you? If we just learn to teach them all the commandments, which is proper and wise to do, but we teach them that this whole thing is much more about being religious than it is relational, much more about doing the right things rather than knowing the person of Christ, that's where we can get it wrong. I wonder this morning, as a parent, as a grandparent, are you teaching your kids to be rule followers or Christ followers? There's a big difference. How do we do that? We just don't talk about the rules. We certainly talk about the rules. Those are corrections. But we very much always point them back to who God is in the person. I I love this in Psalms, Psalm 78, 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that uh, that he has done. Okay, yeah, I'm not teaching those Ten Commandments because those are pretty important things. But what I want my child to see, what I want this little boy, or this little girl to see as they're growing up, is that I have a passion not just for the rules of Jesus Christ, but who Christ is. That they don't just become rule followers, but they actually become Christ followers. Like guys, that takes a lot of patience. That takes a lot of wisdom. Because what comes naturally to us as we raise our children is that they just follow the rules. Would you agree with that? That kind of your first instinct, kind of that knee-jerk reaction when you see error is not just turning them to Christ, but turning them away from evil? I get that. We did that with our girls a lot. It was just a turning away from evil. And yet, if we turn away from evil, where are we going to turn them to? To the intimacy of a relationship with Christ. Now, here's the thing. Kids follow what they see. It can't just be by word. They've got to see it. How many of you agree that kids, even at a young age of two and three and four, can smell hypocrisy like shark smells blood in the water? You know, they say a shark, like, two miles off, if there's just, like, a drop of blood in the water, that a sh- shark has the sensory perception to be able to pick that up a mile or two away. That's incredible. Until I start thinking about my kids. And how many times, you know, the kids say, well, Dad, do you want us to do what you said, or do you want us to do what you've done? You know? And that's when we say, well, you're just being a smart aleck. No, they actually... <laughs> Now i kind of makes some sense. And that's when we come back and say, okay, am I truly living this passionate life with Jesus Christ? It's the greatest gift that you can ever give your kids. There's no guarantee that they will take up that passion. But can you imagine being surrounded in your childhood when you're this little twig growing up that your family surrounds you with direction with a lot of people that have the same uh, mindset of you and what they see in mom and dad, what they see in grandma and granddad is this passion for Jesus Christ. That's our job, guys. And that doesn't happen on a Sunday morning for an hour. It's not just telling your kids about God not and, 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 uh, and His rules. It's about His glorious deeds, His might, the wonders of what He has done. How do we train up a child? Uh, remember two things. Number one, in Christ alone, that's the solid truth. And the person, the work of Christ. Not just religious rules, not just commandments. Very, very important. And yet, tell them about Christ and Christ alone. The story of the gospel. From the time that their miles age from little one. And on a level that he can understand. That you just begin to tell him, hey, this is what Christmas is about. Hey, here's what Easter is about. Hey, when we sing this song that they learned in preschool. That we write on those tender hearts they're still so shapeable and so formal that that we can just kind of, you know, if they're pulling off to this direction and it's all about me, 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 that we, by the love of God and the grace of God, we pull them back. We put them to that foundation of Jesus Christ. The second thing, to realize that it's in Christ alone, but not alone. It's overwhelming to think that the sole responsibility of, of my child and their formative thinking and all that is just upon me. That will tire me out even now with a 20-year-old and a 26-year-old. I'm so glad that I had other influential people, student ministers like Jeff, other teachers that had influence, coaches, different ones. And the days that they could not hear my voice because of that natural rebellion of a teenager or of a child that there was somebody else saying the same thing, that there was a Casey in the preschool saying, you know, God loves you. That's one reason why we do church, guys. Because God designed for us, why we as parents, grandparents, have this, the, the major responsibility, we can't do this alone. We all need help. That's why we pray for teachers. That's why as we send our kids back, I mean, isn't that kind of an amazing thing that we entrust our children's development to somebody else. It's an amazing thing. And even if you're homeschooling, in one way you, you've got a little bit more control and influence, but, but still, I mean, there's coaches, there's all these people that are a part of your child's life. In Christ alone, but not alone by ourselves. That's why today, if you're here this morning, and, and maybe you don't have children, you don't have grandchildren, that's why we want you to pray as the body of Christ. For our schools and for our teachers, for all the, the workers that are there. That's why we want you this morning, if you are a homeschool mom, dad, that you would pray today. I mean, I, I'm taking on the boatload of, of this instructional training, and yet I cannot do this alone. I need Pastor Jeff to take my kid, and I need, to take, I need Casey, and I need this person and that person, that worker in the nursery. I, I need these people just to shower and remind my child of the love of Christ. In Christ alone, but not alone. We're going to end this morning with uh, singing that song, In Christ Alone. It is probably one uh, one of the most majestic hymns that has ever been written. Almost every line of that majestic song is fresh from the scriptures and just grounded there. That's the story that we are to tell to our kids, this amazing story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we will sing it collectively. Why? Because we need one another. And then as we close this morning, we're going to, uh, Ricky, maybe we can sing through that one time and then maybe you can just kind of uh, play silently just for a little bit and just give us two or three minutes just to maybe to grab our children and just to pray for them, to pray for their teachers, to pray for their schools, and uh, to do those things, just that we would uh, have that, you know, just kind of play through a little bit and then I'll close this in prayer at the end, okay? So, uh So why don't y'all take the stage? Let me lead us in prayer now. And then we'll we'll stand to to sing this song in Christ alone. We will declare the truth that we want to be a part of this directing of our children's lives, this foundational truth. And then we will stand collectively as we sing that, knowing there's no way that we can do this by ourselves. We sure need one another. Father God, we love you and we thank you. And Father, thank you that... uh, When we come in and start thinking about this tree that is growing, Father, there are so many winds that our children easily, easily could be like that tree in England that has been so influenced by the winds of the world that they're just, they grow that way. And so, Father, we pray today that you would allow us as parents and grandparents to be that anchor and that we would anchor all of what we say on the truth of who Christ is not just the rules those are important but father the person of Christ and the work of Christ that they would know at an early age the beauty of this one who has saved us the father also as we stand collectively and we sing this as a chorus of people remind us that there's coaches and teachers and instructors and neighbors that we need Him to be a part of this influence, a part of this loving on our child. So, Father, thank You that while we can count on Christ alone, that You have not made us alone in this difficult task of raising a child in the present world. We love You and we thank You. And now, Father, we stand to proclaim Your truth in Christ alone. Amen.